Hello, and welcome to Customer Experience Leaders Chat by Nice Reply, where we talk to support professionals from all over the world and discuss what's behind their team's success. This interview is brought to you by Nice Reply, an all-in-one customer satisfaction tool that helps you measure and improve the quality of your customer service. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on a future episode, please reach out to us at podcast at nicereply.com. My name is Craig Stoss, and today I'm here with Stacey Justino, the Director of Customer Happiness at Wistia. Stacey, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Absolutely my pleasure. So let's start. We're going to talk today about uh, support platforms and the decision-making process and the, and the process of replacing them. This is a sticky part of a support department. It's usually a lot of integrations, a lot of processes are built into and around your ticket management tool. Stacy, I know you, you've uh, recently looked at switching tools, and I thought maybe we'll start with what was your reason for deciding to make a change in your ticket management tool? Uh, Great question. So in this case, uh, we were looking to launch live chat. And so initially I was looking at standalone live chat platforms that could integrate with our current support platform or the chat offering of our current support platform. And when I was going through this process of evaluating those vendors, it uh, became clear that uh, for our team, which is kind of small, we don't have a full-time tools administrator that you know, adding any live chat tool would increase that like operational load for the person who did the tools administration, which was our singular support manager. So uh, we, I was looking for live chat platforms that you know would be easy to spin up and maintain, and it really came to light that it would just almost double the load for the person. And we didn't really have that bandwidth. So I decided to start looking at a omni-channel solution as a, a possible route to go rather than uh, just adding a standalone and, chat And what does this transition look like? Like when you're about to rip and replace a fundamental part of your support system, you need to consider things like data migration, history, metrics. Um, so how do you begin to map out that transition? Um, there are, well, there are a lot of moving pieces, but I think one of the first things to do is to figure out um, a long-term plan, right? Uh, like you said, they're typically very sticky within an organization. There's a lot of like integration. So if you're going to make this transition, uh, you have to have thought through that, like, this is not going to be something you're going to want to uh, change again in like a year or even two years. So when I first went through this pro- planning process is looking at the, the, the products and narrowing it down to one that we felt that would serve us longer term because I think that's the situation you get in, you make the move to a platform and then you're like, okay, well, this isn't exactly what we needed or it helped, it served our needs today, but it's not gonna serve our needs in like a year. Uh, so that is one of the things that really kind of, I think is most important. And then figuring out what like the core functionality you really need and can't live without and like if mapping that out. So uh, what are the things that you need like for like functionality and what integrations do you are required to do business either at like a corporate level or, you know, top business level and for your team. Those are a lot of considerations. And, and I feel like sometimes when you're in the sales cycle, you know, the, the focus tends to be on feature sets or, or certain things that differentiate a particular tool in the market. Um, and that's also often doesn't include some of the specifics that you just mentioned, like different integrations and how do you keep your business running and business continuity. I'm wondering what should our listeners expect when you're going through this process and working with your current vendor and your future vendor? How, how, do, they, how do they help you or, or are you all on your own as, as the customer in this case? I think that um, what you can expect from your future vendor is actually a really important um, input in making that decision, right? That is actually what was really 
uh, important to us this time around, right? You know, we want somebody who is a partner with us. You don't always get that, but if you have the opportunity to be able to consider that, um, then I think it makes a big difference. And I think that figuring out really concretely what the uh, current and future vendor will do for you as part of either your contract or just what is sort of out of the box that they provide for new customers. Um, Because like I said before, we don't have a huge team to help us get this done. It's all basically a couple of engineering resources and then our customer support team resources. So having, um, in this case, our future vendor have a project plan that was super complete and really hit all the boxes. I remember when we went through this sort of kickoff call, there were only like two things that I found missing, which I thought was pretty impressive and is actually not have been my experience with uh, many vendors in the past. So it really stood out to me as like, oh, wow, they actually know all of the minutiae that goes into making this transition. I feel really confident in both um, working with them long-term and like making this as sort of painless as possible. I mean, that sounds like the ideal situation, you know, you know, to have a future vendor that's that invested in, in your success. I mean, customer success is, is kind of our business. So, so having someone treat us the way we would want to treat our customers is, is important. Speaking of customer success and talking about the business continuity piece of, of the last response, uh, how do you maintain that customer experience with your customers throughout the transition? Uh, that's something that's really important. I think first you have to identify all of the customer entry points. So where are all the places somebody can submit a ticket? What are all the email addresses that get forwarded into your support inbox? Um, what are all the channels? Um, so that is what we did. We're like, okay, let's list them, figure out who owns fixing that, like switching that over. Um, and in this case, we also were like, okay, there are these six email addresses that go into our inbox now. Are all of those used still? Um, so that way we could minimize the amount of work to do the migration if we didn't have to port over six email addresses versus like three. Um, so those are the things that we try to do to maintain the customer experience through the transition. Also figuring out that making sure that you can cut over before you lose access to the old tool. You know. Seems pretty basic, but getting those timelines um, pinned down, I think, is important. So you make sure that there is no time where uh, your customers aren't able to contact you. What about customer education? So you, you are changing. You, well, first off, you're adding a channel. As you said, you're adding chat. You know, pot- potentially, if it's a different tool, there might be different templates you're using for the way your emails are, are sent or your phone IVR might be different depending on, on the omni-channel nature of your tool. Was there any customer education uh, pre- presented to to your customer base or on your website as part of this process? Uh, to start, there hasn't been. Um, you know, we are kind of doing a little bit of a soft launch for chat. So first of all, it was only available for our advanced plan customers within their Wistia account. And so right now we have sort of reduced hours. But once um, we have fully moved over to our new platform, we didn't want our champs having to manage two systems like we have now while also having our full expansive chat hours that we have planned to offer. Um, But once we're all cut over, we plan to send out a a marketing email to all of our advanced plan customers, uh, letting them know that this is a benefit of their plan. And then eventually we'll get that updated on the pricing page because uh, we we do think this is a a key differentiator for us. And we know that our sales team has said that um, people are really excited about having live chat as a perk of being 
on the advanced plan. So that's how we're going to educate customers. Um, we might eventually put it on the help center, but you know, we wanted to start kind of small in terms of offering this new channel and then uh, we'll be expanding it and maybe offering it more places or calling more attention to it. And, and maybe a follow on to that is, is about your internal teams, because this affects your, obviously your support organization and the tools they use and maybe all the integrations that they use within that. Uh, but it also could impact things like how you present metrics to your leaders. Is there anything that you did specifically to make sure your internal teams, both support and the cross-functional organization, uh, were prepared for this change? Yeah, we first tried to be as transparent as possible every step of the way so that uh, people in the organization felt like they were coming along for this journey. Um, so as soon as we had concrete details, um, you know, I gave a whole presentation to our senior management team about like the benefits, also the sort of the risks. And um, we're not going to have it piped into our BI system because that integration doesn't exist. But um, I explained how we'd mitigate that and how we'd make sure we were still getting all that information back to the business. Um, and so I think just setting expectations with people and keeping them up to date as you're going through the process. Um, we tried to be as very transparent so that we could be like, okay, these are the things that won't exist to start. This is when we plan on having them done. And also um, getting feedback from people before it's live, I think is making it a much smoother process. Uh, you know, people in an organization are always uh, wary about switching tools like this, especially when it's a tool that's so kind of critical to business function. And I think everybody's gone through at least one failed migration uh, in their career. So I think um, that was really important too. It's not just like, okay, this is how things are going to operate, but also this is why we think this is the right move, even though there is some inherent risk in doing this. You mentioned feedback and what you just said, and I'm kind of curious how feedback potentially uh, formulated this plan. Was it was there a lot of feedback as part of the internal stakeholders review of, of the of the new platform, or did you have feedback from your customers, for example, on how they wanted to be served that influenced these decisions? Yeah, feedback was really important in this process across uh, multiple facets. So, you know, we had already heard from customers, both directly who were writing into us and through feedback from our sales team that, well, a live service or different channels were what they, they were desiring because, you know, hey, they have a time sensitive marketing campaign. And so being able to hop onto live chat was something that uh, really was something desired by these customers. And internally, um, it was feedback too, that, okay, we are a product leadership company. And part of that means our support, we're leaders in support. So live chat was actually something that would been, had been on my like long to-do list since I started at Wistia in uh, the beginning of 2018. And we are finally in a place, both in terms of resources and in terms of like team capacity to take it on. So that was another feedback element. And then, like I was talking about giving this presentation to the senior management team, um, I got some feedback along the way around like what needed to be clarified, what open questions there still were. So there were actually a lot of opportunity where uh, feedback was super important to helping both um, get buy-in, I think, and also to get this over the line. That's great that you're using all that feedback in, in your decision-making process. Um, speaking of decision-making processes, though, what are the key considerations along this process of switching platforms? There, there must be uh, other things that needed to be communicated or other things that needed to uh, change within your team to, to make this sure this worked. Yeah, so um, there are a few different kinds of key considerations, right? Like 
well, first, you know, like with any sort of switch or big change, uh, really making sure we identified all the key stakeholders. Um, like you said before, there's like so much that the support tool actually like sort of impacts within an organization. So uh, from the start, really making sure we had identified all those key stakeholders and identifying what all like the mission critical processes are, right? Um, so those were some of the, the most important things, I think. And also, like I mentioned before, like a long-term fit. Um, you don't want to go through this process too often. Um, and where do we think we're going to be in, in like three to five years, not where are we today, and making that that decision for that the future organization, but also making sure that it still fit the needs of where we were today. And I think that that to me is one of like the key considerations and might be one of the harder things to sort of um, be able to pin down because you're, you're, you're kind of uh, fortune telling a bit. And so, but you're fortune telling on something that has a huge impact. Um, I think the other consideration is also price, right? Um, that's a real consideration for, uh, I think most support teams. Yeah, that is the truth. You know, we, we unfortunately do get that label as, as cost centers to too, too many situations. <laughs> Maybe we'll end on a few of your observations of where projects like this can go awry. Our listeners, you know, if they're going through this process, what should they be looking out for along the way? Great question. Uh, so one of the key things I think is making sure that the functionality that's advertised or says it's included actually does the thing and does it uh, in a way that's relevant for your use case. Um, a lot of times, you know, a product will be like, yeah, I do X, Y, and Z. And it might do X, Y, and Z, but it doesn't quite do it in the way that um, suits your needs as an organization. Um, I think one other way it goes awry is uh, underestimating the time it's going to take and resources it's going to take. Um, also, another thing that happens a lot is like, oh, it's plug and play. You can get spun up in like 10 minutes. And that is probably, in a lot of cases, technically true, but to get it, into the way that it's going to be even minimum viable product situation for uh, you as a business um, probably takes a little bit more than that. Um, and getting clarification on things that you're unsure of. Um, I think a lot of times you'd be like, okay, we can figure that part out later. Or uh, this documentation is a little vague, but I think we'll be able to figure it out. And I think that that is how things get off the rails. So getting clarification, clarity on uh, what the capabilities of a product are, the work required to get it done um, early. So that, like I said, you can estimate the time and work needed to uh, get yourself up and running. Um, the other thing I think is in the change management process itself with your support team is where things can go awry. Um, people aren't great with change but they feel so much better when you bring them along the way. So through so this process, as soon as we started to like uh, go through a, after our first few demos with the support managers on the team and myself, and we were feeling like this, I think this is the tool. Uh, we were able to do a whole proof of concept where live tickets were going into the new platform with two of our current champs. And being able to have them present too, I think was super powerful in uh, this process. So, um, we have that luxury. You might not always have that luxury, but I think the thing that we did too, at least when I did this at a previous company and we made this same kind of switch was making sure that people knew what was going to change. So um, this is the process in our current tool. This is how the process is going to work in our new tool. And specifically, these are the differences. 
I think people need to see that so they can see that like, oh, it's really not that different. But if you don't like actually illustrate it for them, like we had lots of diagrams and <laughs> flow charts so that people could really see and visualize like, oh, this isn't really that different. And if it was gonna be a significant change to a process, um, we did kind of explain the why, like, hey, we can't actually reproduce this in our new support tool, but this is the as close of approximate approximation as we can get and it still achieves the like x y and z for why that original process existed i think the other thing too is if you aren't taking this time to go through your processes and see which ones don't serve you well anymore and also not mapping them all if like there's a better way to do it in the new system which hopefully there is and that's probably maybe one reason why you're moving to the new system um if you don't take that opportunity to advance and you kind of just like pour over all like the the bad or wonky stuff that was just how you did things because you had to do them that way. Um, I think if you don't take that opportunity, then it will be a lot less successful because um, you're carrying over pain points that you may not have had to do. The, the piece on the process change bit is so important. So many times in my career, there's been a, you know, a new tool introduced and, we, and the team tries to in implement the exact same process in the new tool as opposed to taking advantage of the value of the new tool, which is potentially a process change, but for the better. That, that is, that's something that resonates with me. Stacy, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. A lot of great insight. Thank you so much for having me, Craig. And thank you all for listening to Customer Experience Leaders Chat by Nice Reply with today's guest, Stacy Justino from Wistia. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, please leave a rating or share it with others. And make sure to check out our other support interviews and quality content at NiceReply.com. <laughs>